Welcome to Discography, the music podcast that delivers the objective truth about the entire discography of every single artist and band that ever existed. First things first, you need to know just how seriously we take this shit. Discography is heavily researched, and the music is always reassessed with fresh ears. And, and we're not just covering albums. We do a searingly honest deep dive analysis of all EPs, singles, comp tracks, relevant solo work and bootlegs, and notable appearances on other artists' records. And then we give every release a, uh, an objectively accurate star rating between zero and five. And that allows us all to come face to face with the true shape of an artist's overall arc. In this episode of Discography, we'll be turning the spray cans on Peter Gabriel. Prog new wave groundbreaker. Turned hermetic world music curator guy. And creepy looking monk dude. (laughs) (laughs) And today, by the way, we've got a very special guest here with us in the studio of your mind. One half of an incredibly solid songwriting duo for the band that created the template of... Fuck you, I ain't quitting my job, and I'll make music at my own pace, thank you very much. But still, this pace is real slow, even for me, so fuck this, I'm out of here. Please, lads and ladies, no longer tethered to a Lee Mavers-like predilection for unattainable perfection, let's please welcome fellow music obsessive Kevin Whelan. Hello, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for, for inviting me to this in-depth session with uh, Mr. Gabriel. We are humbled to right. to have you, sir. So this was kind of wow. a collaborative pick, right? This is we gave you kind of we you gave us a few options. This is the one we felt like we were cut, we could probably do the most Thank justice. You. Yes. Um. So we're psyched. We we've uh, we've kind of we've gone back and we've checked them all out, and it's a lot. There was a lot. Uh, this was an interesting one. Yeah, this yeah. is an interesting one. And I want to ask as well, is he your favorite of all time or is he buzzing around the hive? Uh, he is without a doubt buzzing around the hive, if not the number one. Yeah, I think over the long, uh, yes, I would have to say uh, pound for pound, I would put him up there. What was your, uh, were you a fan of Genesis first or um were you, um, you know, what was your, would, what was your intro to Peter Gabriel? Like as a fan, I'll uh, definitely, as we get into melting face was the, the intro, but it yeah, would definitely yeah. be in a Genesis capacity. It's like, I was 10 when the, when his records started coming out and then I had to kind of go back, but I knew of Genesis, right? I just didn't know of that weird Genesis yet. Right. I knew right. the Abacab kind of Genesis. Right. Yeah. That, that was, that was me too. I, I didn't really uh, know for me. Peter Gabriel kind of arrived fully for him. I wasn't really aware of the prog stuff. Um, for me, it was Shock the Monkey, MTV, 80, yeah. 82. It had to have been uh, me, too. This yeah. is kind of like the same. We we did Roxy Music recently. It was the same sort of thing. They were that's That was... I really knew him, um, you know, I was obsessed with MTV when I was little. And um, yeah, of course, my brother, who's eight years, I'm born in 72. My brother's born in 80. So he's maybe around two or three when Shock the Monkeys on MTV a lot. It scared the shit out of him. Yeah, that was was really terrifying. He would run from the room screaming pretty much every time. (laughs) It was just the best older brother thing ever. <laughs> You're like, watch this. Watch it would have been the same effect if you saw Genesis live, because I mean, there was a it was a parade of he, grotesquery. He basically. wore the thing, right? He wore he wore all the things. Yeah. yeah, totally. And you the mask, the but, fox. But how do you? Yeah. But the fox mask. So how do you deal with sound problems? Because the there's no mic inside the mask, right? Maybe, maybe there is. 
You know, he talks about that. If you dig into like reading, he kind of was messing it up because the band was like, no one can hear you when he first like put it on, you know, his yeah. improv and then like no one could hear or that in the bubble suit. So that, cause then it would make a lot of sound. <laughs> on yeah, yeah. So he does sort of address it. I think they fixed it with holes and stuff like that, yeah. but. Well, should we go um, through the, the, through the chronology? Should we go ahead and uh, yes. dive in? Let's, let's, uh, go. let's start at the beginning. Yeah. So Maybe take the, the lead on this one. I feel his like this his first, his first ever appearance on a record that was not his own or Genesis's is actually as a, a, a uh, an accompanying flutist on the wow. song Katmandu from Cat Stevens, Bo- Mona Bone, Jackone. Um, so that's a great song. I don't know if you guys are aware of it. I, I skipped that one. Sorry. It's a great song. <laughs> I'm, I'm st- I stick to only Peter Gabriel Cannon, where he's the artist listed on the thing. And I'm the guy who feels like I'm letting everyone down if I don't listen to his guest starring flute appearance. Yeah. I take this pretty far, but Dave takes it even farther than that. Anyway. Go further, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but so, that's where he's. That's where he. Uh, that's the first. And that's Peter nineteen. Gabriel that's nineteen seventy. That's way. That's a just a sweet hippie flute thing, um, and you know very much like a loving kind of a deal, which is definitely a vibe he never picked up on. On yeah, after yeah. that, um, but that doesn't garner a rating. Um, and then we enter really with regard to his own music, phase one, eponymous and ominous. 1975 to 1985. Nice, so, nice phase title. I appreciate it. Nice. Thank you. Yes, I appreciate very, very much. Agreed. I take great pride in my work. Um, so the very first thing he came out with, it was a very hesitant beginning to his solo career, a cover of Strawberry Fields Forever for the soundtrack for a documentary entitled All This and World War II. Uh, the version of the song completely sucks, unfortunately. <laughs> It's kind of a pretty straightforward orchestral interpretation of it, um, which would be fine, but then he kind of sings it in this weird kind of froggy voice. Like Kermit the Frog, yeah, that's what I was thinking. He ne- that's weird. Wow. For, he never, you never hear him do that. He has a very distinct kind of gravelly sort of thing to his yeah, voice. Totally unique, yeah, totally yeah. unique, yes. This, this doesn't sound like him at all. This is one year before the, um, you know, I'm in a fucked up car album. Um, <laughs> so this is, I give this one one star. I hate this I, I gave it two. Two? I can see I'm going to be the brutal one here. Yeah, uh, Maybe not. We'll probably, we don't always agree. So yeah. Um, better that way. Have, did you hear this one, Kevin? I did not hear that one. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm now going to go back and enjoy Froggy. It's right. You're, you're going to get a lot of other chances to, uh, to, to, uh, to weigh in on Peter. Yeah, and by the way, you're going to probably want to skip this. Um, all right. So 1977, we're really starting things in earnest. Uh, the first of four albums called Peter Gabriel, which now in streaming times is now entitled One Period Car. Um, so let's first of all talk about those al- album titles, okay? Um, yeah. So the first four are, are called Peter Gabriel, and it created a nightmare situation with people who, uh, for people who tried to market him, I believe. Um, so, uh, and it's also the same typeface, um, and he said he kind of uh, wanted to do it like a magazine series or something. Right. So it's a, a conscious, like, you know, uh, he stuck with that, uh, artistic choice for a while. Mm. And when was he pushed at the time or does that come later? 86. Yeah. For so they insisted, or maybe it was yeah. his, I think it might've been on his, uh, end. No, he, they were, they, they wanted, they were title. giving him kind of pressure about it. Um, and he was just seeing the word as a typeface design, like, you know, someone would put like some kind of curly cue or something. Mm. Um, like the Prince logo or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Um, so anyway, I love this record. This one, um, yeah. I was not really super familiar with the songs that weren't the big hits. Well, some of them I kind of knew before this, but uh, this one was super impressive. I thought I liked it a lot. What's your, what are your thoughts on this one, Kevin? Yeah, I thought, of course, right, you know, when you go into Salisbury Hill, right, the one that everyone knows, right, um, <clears throat> which is in a unique meter, music-wise, right? Yeah, it's probably you the know, most famous 7-4 song ever, right? It is. I'm so glad you brought it up, because that's, I never even knew it. I went to music school and studied, and someone said it's in 7, when you, because you listen to the horn part, or, you know, whatever, the keyboard part, it's, wow, it's yeah. amazing. Um, yeah, and it's a very natural 7-4 um, it is so it's amazing how do you do that right how do you make that you never know you always feel it's in four four yeah I, I never you know it's just, i never meant i never noticed it until um we i did this and i read it for, for the purposes of you know i was reading we were kind, of, kind of reading about all these as we were kind of reviewing yeah, yeah, yeah. i never really realized it was in the seven four yeah it's one of those that's what makes it so unique and to be such a kind of classic you know rock or beginning you know new wave rock song yeah and not um, only not only as like a classic rock thing but then it was like you you know it's it sort of makes you want to like sign up for singular wireless or something you know <laughs> it, made it, it made it into like commercials <laughs> it's this very like a friendly sounding commercial sort of thing and it's yeah. at seven four so it's uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's cool. and I, what i what i loved about this record is uh you know, he's already a master, right? He's already kind of yeah. created all rock, you know, these, you know, this prog rock kind of craziness. But you really hear him learning and stretching and right, not really right. sure. Like, he's really far from his groove because he has sort of sometimes some hippie jams, but then he has like like Salisbury Hills, which is just like like nobody else. It's like, where did that come from? Then you have that Here Comes the Flood version. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's... Which, yeah. by the way, I always thought that was... There's nothing wrong with that version. He was apparently at odds with that version and kept redoing it through his career, but mm -hmm. I didn't really see any reason why it needed to be recast. Yeah. It's good. I know we're going to come up to it on your list, but it's, it's a good version, but I kind of have my favorites. But I think oh, it's really? unique. Yeah, I do, right? But, I, and, you know, it's coming up soon. But I think that's where, like, the, the rock part. Are, you, cool are, you, are you referring to Exposure? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that the musicians on this album are really un incredible. So you know, Bob Ezrin yeah. produced, um, and the guitar players are Robert Fripp and Steve Hunter. Steve, I, I mean, who I, I both of them I just love to death. Um, Steve Hunter, yeah. really underrated guitarist. Um, you know, he played on all those great uh, Alice Cooper records, and he played with on some great Lou Reed records. Um, he he's the guy that's playing all the guitar stuff on Salisbury Hill. Um, cool. And, uh, you know, Larry Fast, there's a lot of the keyboards, you know, about Larry Fast at all. Oh, yeah. Larry Fast yeah. is kind of like, you know, this sort of uh, synth guru of the of the time. Um, made his own records that are kind of like uh, very you know synth heavy, kind of like Vangelis kind of style records. But he had a big fingerprint on um, all those early Gabriel records. He's kind of like kind of a synth genius. Um, and then Tony Levin um, and Jerry Murata. So amazing. Really like yeah, stellar, yeah. Um, you know, uh, rhythm very, section. Yeah. Beyond, great, tasteful, yeah. tasteful players and, you know, really, really master musicians. Um, and, and they play really some of his later albums get more like they're kind of like constructed in the studio. Where they feel like they're kind of made an overdub at a time. But this record really has a feeling like they're a band playing, like getting, yeah, getting, yeah. A, no, these are definitely, getting a take and then like, these you know. are definitely songs, which is something he lost sight of a hundred percent as far as, uh, as far as I know of it, uh, with regard to the notion of sitting down and writing a song. It's unfortunately not a hundred percent consistent because the first side is 
pretty near perfect. Um, and, and, and in it's fumbling towards greatness, the second side sort of loses the plot a little bit. Um, but it's a, it's a, an absolutely amazing record. I give this one four and a half stars actually. I, I gave it the same four and a half, but I think we should, before we move on, there's a couple other tunes that bear mentioning. Um, yeah. Um, Humdrum, one of his best songs ever. That's I think. probably my favorite song his in his entire I, discography. I'm almost positive you gave that to me on a like mixtape or a mix CD sometime many, wow, many years ago. Awesome. Yeah, yeah we Incredible know we're, song. we're like old, yeah. we're like old best friends for 30 years. So we go, yeah, we go way back. Um, but so yeah, I'm pretty sure I heard that through you. Um, what are some of your other favorites on the record, Kevin? There's there's a, there's a solid clutch of them we haven't mentioned that yeah. are amazing. I don't know. I think I think waiting for the big one is cool, mm-hmm. right? I know we're talking, but I even think like the the the, the Burgermeister song just to start. That's a great song. Amazing. Your first solo record, right? It really does bridge. It bridges who he was oh, and where he totally. was. Totally, it's, it's proggy pop. So you it's have proggy the, pop. That's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, he he wasn't. He didn't shy away from it. He's like, I'm going to take you somewhere new, but I'm still that guy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a smart. He's a smart businessman. And you figure because he was so successful, right? You know, yeah. I think that's the one thing. You know, at the time, at least the underground, at least in Europe in particular, right? I mean, he was a godlike kind of dude, and now to go on his own in that way and go right out of the, right out of the box with that song, I think you got to give him credit, right? He just yeah. went for it. And to, to not only do that, but to um, you know, in a lot of ways it clarifies a lot of the things that Genesis tried to do and maybe fell yeah. short of, um, right. you know, because it has such a lucid melody line to it. Uh, side one of his debut record, you have prog pop, uh, then yeah. the, you know, the number one with the bullet chart pop of Salisbury Hill. Then you have a who style song with modern love, yes. Bar- barbershop yeah. harmony with excuse me. And then cosmic transcendence with humdrum. I mean, it's, he's all over the map doing everything one. well. Yeah, yeah. just side one. He's doing everything well. All right, should we move on to the next one? Yeah, Kevin, yeah. you got a rating for uh, for Car? I would. I would have to say I'm putting it at a four. All right, four. Okay, yeah. tough critic. Right. <laughs> next one um, goes under the name. Or is it? Is there? Is there a single? You you pilot the ship, Dave. You got the. Uh, well, it's uh, still Peter Gabriel, but it's, it, it's Scratch is next, right? Scratch. Okay, I'm yeah. not missing a single or something in there. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, so, but our version will be called uh, uh, um, "A Guy Needs a Manicure." All right. So that's <laughs> 1978. So this is produced by uh, by Fripp, um, and it's, it's it's you can kind of hear it. I mean. Especially in with the way that the Frippertronic stuff peaks out on um, mm-hmm. on exposure, um, which which the two of the guys co-wrote. Well, then th- there's this album, um, exposure, and then Daryl Hall's Sacred Songs. Yeah, it feels like another kind of like sister album to these. I think it's a lot of the same people, same kind of time mm-hmm. period when Fripp is kind oh, of. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't. Yeah, know that. that's a really cool record. If you don't know it, you'll you'll love it. It's 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 the most batshit crazy thing he's ever done. Yeah, it's it's his it's his Robert Fripp record. Yeah, um, and um, but Scratch, he was apparently studying Gurdjieff right. as well. Like mm-hmm. he was doing right. all the batshit crazy spiritual stuff. Right. Too. Yeah. Wow. Uh, sacred songs. Yeah. I thought it was yeah. just a you know just not a, just the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so some of the players are back um, uh, on keyboards in this one. They had Roy Bitten. Who's a, a, also a really great musician and kind of a favorite of mine? Because Gabriel was looking for that Springsteen kind of sound. Yeah, no, wow. Steve, no Steve Hunter on this one, um, but uh, Sid McGinnis joins the band. Um, 
but uh, all around again amazing players kind of in the same uh this record the first two have the same kind of approach i feel like where they're kind of a band they get they're, they're looking to get a good take of something maybe overdub on that it's not so yeah. much like the built in the studio sort of thing agreed um what, and, what, um, what are your thoughts on this kevin what, what's yeah I, I think it's i think it's exactly right i think it's progression you can kind of see him trying to find more of his version of pop right because you know I, uh, but I do, I think it's still, it's still, in, you hear him saying, boy, I kind of can't give up the band rock thing. It's still hard for him to kind of get away from the straight rock format, which is really hard, especially when you have those kind of musicians in a room. You can only imagine what they would sound. They always sound good. Right. You know, anything yeah. he brings forward is going to sound amazing just because of the musicians. Do you feel like um, it's, a, it's a progression from, from the first record? Do you feel like it's... I think it's, I think it's a little, uh, a little bit of a wander, but I think mm-hmm. it's a progression. Okay. Yeah. I think I like this record better than you, Dave. I I, I really think it's a, a major regression for him. I think it was a big wow. step back. Wow. I think it's uh diffuse and uninvolving. Um and for and frankly, you know, I've been a fan of Gabriel since I was in, in high school and I never really connected with this one and have tried multiple mm-hmm. times. Um and it never really worked. Now I gotta and, say this one for me was entirely brand new. I did not know any uh, of the songs in this one. So I'm, I oh, was starting wow. completely from scratch in this one. Um, and I, I really like about, I mean, I, the, I, I, about half of it, I would say I really like a lot. I'll uh, tell you, On the Air, DIY, and Exposure are the only three songs that I think are worthy of our playlist. Um, I, would add, uh, I would add Mother of Violence. I quite like that one. Um, it's kind of a nice, pretty ballad. And I also like yep. uh, Wonderful Day in a One Way World. I like that tune. That has a really good hook in it. Um, and I would even add in Indigo, right? It's uh, sort of unique in its its way, right? Yeah. Uh, but you still like what I kind of still marvel at. You can see where he's going more pop now because all the songs are a little shorter, right? He's not. He's all kind of in like the three minute mark. He's not. Right. He's really separating himself from the big, long, right? Except for on the air. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's kind of changing in some respects. DIY that tune is one where it's an odd time and it's like it's very obvious it's an odd time that one's given me like uh, I, mean, I love the song that's the best song it's in a the cool, record, it's a I really think. cool song it, like it is. thinking of playing it it like gives me like a panic attack I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it's re- relentless with the time changes but it's a re- good hook and um they play it like you know seamlessly um on the air the opener just f- fucking epic it's excellent I love that it song is. The first two are just, they're the two best songs in the record. Besides yeah. Exposure, I think. I mean, those two are just great. I wish they were just filled with bangers like that. Yeah, I, there's some of the kind of more singer-songwritery ones don't stick the landing quite as much, but I, I find my, I, I liked most of it. I like I liked most. I give this one three and a half. I give it two. Oh, two. Woo! Yeah, yeah. I know. Kevin's going to bitch slap me half to death. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's <laughs> hard to think of him at two, but you know, he, everyone reaches there. I think I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go with the three as well. Right. I think okay. it's, it's, it's yeah. Out of five for sure. And mm-hmm. then we definitely a little tip of the hat to Kevin because in 1979 exposure by Fripp comes out. So let's, I, I have, you know, given a separate rating to the version on exposure um, I give it a three star rating, but I want to hear why you feel like this is the ultimate version and what do you give it? I, you know, I think it's also where everyone uh, lands, approaches a song from where they are, how they are and what happens. Right. So, you, you know, I was such a, a Gabriel fan, but we couldn't, I couldn't find anything. And someone gave me a tape 
it was one of those kind of tape moments, right? Back when tapes mm-hmm. had this magic. And they were like, you have to hear this version of, of Peter Gabriel's, my, my buddy, Neil, who was a huge, he's a, he kind of introduced me most to all of Genesis and a, a huge, you know, Peter Gabriel friend. He really helped me in my learning. And I think my love of those, you know, for Petronics, the guitar, I think his, I think the melodies that he found on that version were so real and authentic. And I must, I must confess, I think I try to copy it with every ballad I've ever done. Yeah. Really? Right? So the new wow. song, yeah. It just, and also, you know, when I hear Radiohead doing it, you're just like, ah, oh, they're just, they're just, that's who they're going after. Yeah, they're yeah. going after, you know. Yeah, I like the exposure version better too. I think it just has a little bit of, you know, extra texture to it. You know, it has a little bit of an extra kind of like psychedelic, like trippy kind of thing to it. Um, I, yeah. I like that record a lot. Uh, I, I do like exposure in general. Um, so, all right. So that that's where that's where that's scratch, right? Yeah. Well, no, that's uh, exposure actually. Uh, oh yeah, we tried. Right. I forgot we had gone into the exposure. But then uh, then we go to, uh, to melting face. Um, melt uh, as they call it. Melt. So so melt is uh, a great album, um, and it was difficult for him to get it set up. This is the birthplace of the gated drum sound. So if you have any tomatoes to throw, this is the direction in which to throw it. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. It's, yeah, it was uh, responsible for... They invented it by accident. You know that? Really? Really? They, no, yeah, so they had, uh, they, they were, they had like soloed out a bunch of tracks or something and they had some gates on some of the drum mics. They had gates, I think on the overheads or something. Yeah. Um, and, um, they, they had muted a bunch of other stuff by accident and then they, they heard they, they, they weren't even intended to listen that way, but the, the, I think it was Phil Collins was playing, sitting at the drum kit playing mm-hmm. yeah, Phil and was the they had just the overheads on and it was, it made that crazy gate effect because of the way they had the gate set and they're like, wait a minute, that sounds incredible. So, and that, then, then they kind of like, you know, went from that, from it being kind of a mistake to really refining it and like perfecting in it. In fact, it's not even this record where it's the first time it's done. It's Intruder. So if yeah, you want right. to hear well, that's the a song action, I think they were working on. <clears throat> if oh, you want to hear yeah. the origin of the gated drum sound, it is that song. Wow. <clears throat> um, so there's a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, shittiness to be attributed. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the origin is kind of exciting. They had these creative limits on the drums. Not just that, but there's no cymbals. Yeah, on this record at all. Wow, that was another. Uh, he didn't want any symbols on on the record. This record, I have to say, I listened to this one twice because it for, just for this show because I I felt like there was so much information in it and so much um, and it felt kind of like uh, it required more than kind of one listen to sort of get it. And um, I think I was right because on second listen, I feel like it kind of clicked with me. Um, this one they they make the transition to where they're uh, kind of it feels more like they're building tracks kind of um, in the studio. It's less like live band take kind of oh, scenario, oh, oh. Um, but some really cool vibey, dark, interesting soundscapes and stuff on this record. I think there's not there's not a single song that's on this that's not a classic. But I've lived th- with this record for decades, and every time I've heard it, it's been uh, it's, it's been enough to blow me away. Uh, and but did not know until this trawl for discography that um, that he had such a hard time setting it up. Ahmet Ernegan was was on his uh, was on his jock. 
about, uh, you know, he said, oh, really? uh, what do people in America care about this guy in South Africa, referring to, to, to Biko? And wow. he, he heard uh, Lead a Normal Life. And his first question was, has Peter been in a mental hospital? Like he just didn't, <laughs> he, he, didn't it. Get, he didn't get it. Like he, for whatever reason, it completely missed its mark. It's a pretty him. artsy record. It's pretty much like, you know, there are a couple of songs that have kind of stuck on. I mean, the only songs, like, this again was mostly new to me. I knew Games with Frontiers and Biko. But, um, right. uh, but otherwise, I mean, I, I guess I was maybe not familiar. one of us is incredible start. Uh, I don't remember. And through the wire, everything, everywhere you look on this record, it's, it's just pure unadulterated. I could see creativity. why like a record company suit would be like out on here thing. You know, this sounds like un- uncommercial. It kind of is. It's pretty uncompromising. It's, it's like, it's uh, very, art- it's very artsy. It's art rock. Yeah. This is yeah. Art rock, it's, you know? uh, 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 I think it's probably the the main reason why I I put him forward as uh, the request for this conversation, right? Um, Is for this record. Yeah, I think this record literally rips the stars out of the skies. All right, all right t- talk to us. Just tell us, you know, um, tell us your history what, with the record. I mean, I just it's it's an utter obsession, love affair, changed my life. You know, from the moment I looked at the cover, I had no idea, right, what it was and how cool it was. So this and, is where you come in. Yeah, that, this is sort yeah. of like, I think this is where, I think this is, I would say that this is where I decided that music is what I kind of had to do. And I always, I think to this day, aspire. I mean, you know, when you put on that no self-control and with his weird yelping and then the way the notes come in and the guitars and the sort of, it's, it's almost like it's, it's Beethoven like. So yeah, I would have to say that I would put this up on the Mount Rushmore of like, you know, <laughs> I, rem- I remember as a kid, like I, I, I had, I had good urges musically and I had, I think I had roughly some the, wayward. We're all roughly the same age, right? So yeah. Yeah. Me and Dave were born in 72. But I I remember being 10 or so and seeing the video for Games Without Frontiers and thinking, you know, the, it had a very strong pop sensibility. So both sides of me, the the cool the the cool kid who discovered yeah. Velvet, Velvet Underground early and the not very cool kid who went to see Brian Adams as his first show, um both those uh, those idiots were satisfied. Mm. <laughs> well, Games Without Frontiers is such a great crossover new wave. It's like it's yeah. uh, he yeah. he makes sense totally. in the space of new wave. Um, you know, he, he, he'd been like Prague guy just a few years before. Um, it's, that seems like to me, that's where the, the crossover is kind of starting to happen. With I, think yeah, right. yeah. I think that is yeah. the crossover. Yeah. This sure. album I give an unquestionable five stars. I gave this one four. And if probably if I listened to it again, I think with each listen to it, I would probably add a half star because I, I do think there's like, don't I, feel pressure. No, I gave it, I, I gave it a four, <laughs> but I, I, I could probably be talked into if you, if we did this again in like three or four days and listen again, I'd probably give it another half stars. I, I do feel like it's a grower of an album. Um, yes. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of information to take in at once, especially doing this where we're yeah. listening to them all right back to back to back to back. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, a couple other things about this one. Um, the uh, Steve Lillywhite produced, so he's kind of got the big, the big name, fancy producer in the chair, and he did a lot of. Um, he was kind of like the go-to new wave guy. And he did Susie and yeah. the Ban- Susie and the Banshees, and like XTC. And he did the first three U two records. I know he did the Pogues, um, psychedelic uh, furs. From Grace with God. Yeah, I'm so this is the Pogues. Yeah, yeah. So this is kind of a tr- uh, they they've managed to kind of make Peter Gabriel sort of hip. He sort of fit in with new wave. 
and he fit in with MTV and where that was all going. Yeah. So yeah. the next step records where he really makes the MTV breakthrough. Yeah. But um, he also kind of, the, the visual part of it was always, you know, a natural thing for him. So he was kind yeah, of a natural. That's true. That's, that's, I think it's a great insight. Yeah. Yeah, You're right, true. how that was kind of crafted. You're exactly right, because he really shouldn't have been in that new wave sort of ilk. Right, but they kind of you're you're they you're right. I never thought about he that. He got swept forward for some yeah, you know pretty solid sure. reasons, I think, for mm, uh, for yeah. suits in boardrooms. Uh, so okay, so we can agree that one worked out really and well for him. Then Kevin, are you giving that one five stars? I would assume five, That's yeah, awesome. or fifty million. Right. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Um, so you're the very first song you ever wrote. Was that born entirely from this sort of? Uh, yes, yeah? without a doubt. And next and tomorrow, whatever I try. Is, always it, it always comes from this. You know, it's you know what's interesting is that it's not a concept album, but because there's something that really threads uh, the needle of you know a, a sound that goes together and you know yeah. subject matter yeah. that goes together, it feels unintentionally like a dystopian concept record. Yeah, I totally agree. About God knows what. Okay, moving on. 1982, we have record number four. Uh, also called Peter Gabriel, but better known by security. <clears throat> this feels a certain kinship with what came, everything that came after for the rest of his career. This sort yes. of float. He wrote a song, but then he wants to let it drift and float along. Before I say anything else, I want to know how, how Kevin feels about it. What do you think I, about this record? Yeah, I think you kind of gave a the good header. You know, and how did he do that, right? How did he go from that second record, like you said, where he's wandering or <laughs> or a backstab <clears throat> to something so unique, um, melting face, and now to go where he landed, right? I think you're right. This is where I think this record is a masterpiece as well. And I think it's dark and it's it's long. You see, even you look at the, the songs are back up to five, six longer right he's, he's starting to let you know the thing that i think affects him from here forward is bloat well I, he gets sort of into i think even more so than um just the on the one hand they're doing the, the approach where they're creating stuff in the studio they're building the tracks but the, i think he's kind of thinking of it more in terms of like soundtrack type the, the, yeah, you, you yeah. can see the the, the sort yeah. of the sort of approach that he took, takes to his soundtrack music. You can see sort of see the seeds of it here, and you can see why he kind of was able to do that successfully. I don't know. To me, this record, um, he, this is where he starts really heavily using the Fairlight and gets into uh, sampling. Yeah. He actually had the first Fairlight in the UK. Did so, he? So yeah. So this is sort of the, some of the wow. earliest. Some of the earliest. Uh, he was like owner number one of, of one in the UK. So this is sort of some of the earliest. Um, Fairlight uh, noodlings, the you know, and some of some of it's pretty cool. Like a lot of Shock the Monkey um, is done on Fairlight, um, and especially like like um, what's the song? Uh, oh, San Jacinto, that opening oh. like little marimba lick on there. It's kind of like that's a good example of what the Fairlight was like. So it's a sample of a marimba, but it's a it's a very lo-fi, early grainy kind of sample. Uh, so it has this kind of like it doesn't really sound like very much like the original thing that was sampled. It's not a perfect right. copy. Um, so it has this kind of uncanny valley kind of like like it's, to me it's kind of like psychedelic sounding, kind of like otherworldly sounding quality to it, just because of the the early nature of sampling and, and the kind of graininess of the samples. Um, so that is used heavily. Uh, you know, he, that, that it's kind of like that. He got the new toy and, and went berserk with the Fairlight on this record. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it's a lot of the same players, 
but you there you kind of can't really always tell that they're there it's it's sort of like a it's almost kind of like a like a record you'd make in like logic or something now it has a very midi quantized you know <laughs> kind of uh kind of ahead of its time really um Look, out of the eight songs on the record, there's only two that I would really recommend. That would be Shock the Monkey and Wallflower. I I never really, uh, again, even... You don't like San Jacinto? That sounds pretty cool. Not a huge fan. Rhythm of the Heat, not a huge fan. I would give it two and a half stars. Uh, I, give, I, give, <laughs> I love it. This is this is like this is this is it's like high stakes gambling. Okay. <laughs> I like to I like this one a little bit better than you. I gave this one three, um, and it, this it, this one was hard because it, it, I feel like there's just there. Um, this is a highs and lows kind of record for me. There's probably like half of it that I found that I liked quite a lot. I actually have the, I've had this one on vinyl for many years. This one I was already pretty familiar with. Um, so because it has a lot of the staples, right? I have the touch, lay your hands on me, and yeah. What do you What do you give it, Kevin? Wallflower. Um, yeah, I, I would. <clears throat> I would have to say that as much as I love it, it's sort of like a fandom thing. Um, I would be in the same vein of saying three point five. Three point five. Yeah, because my, my big question is, he's he's almost, and I love him, but he's almost lucky he had Shock the Monkey. <clears throat> because yeah, one totally, of those records yeah. that, that if he didn't have Shock the Monkey on this, it could have been a tanker. Yeah, yeah, he would have yeah. gotten all the credit. Well, right? this one in particular, they almost didn't put out. So this one was even more of a uh, commercial. Oh, really? This one really almost didn't come out. Um, it's uh, they The label hated this one. And Shock the Monkey, it, it's... It's we're we're very familiar with it now. It's it's it seems like a like a perfectly reasonable hit song, but it's a pretty weird song to be like a hit. Yeah, yeah but it's, kind, it's, it's completely insane. It's more that's right. It's more like a melting face record. It's not like yeah, a core. Yeah. All the other ones on here are sort of chord songwriting. So, somehow songs. he he saw a, like a window cracked open. He saw yeah. that it was around this time that it was possible if he really fucking set his mind to it to become massively famous. And I think he intentionally made that decision. For the yeah. next couple of years, he's kind of quiet. Um, in in 82, uh, there's well, they only... Did a, they did a big tour. Um, they toured for this record because... They, for this because one. Because they had, hit, they, had, they had the hit on it. Yeah. So um, they, it was. The, I think that's maybe a part of the reason why it took him a while to make another record. But yeah, he had been making them very regularly, and then takes up kind of a long break. Then a long break. So uh, in '82, the only peep we hear from him is uh, the song "Across the River" from the Music and Rhythm compilation. Um, it's that's an interesting one because it's a little peek into the future. Uh, of how Gabriel wound up sounding uh, in around 92. Uh, this one I would give four stars, and for a fan wow. is definitely like a must hear. What was wow. this from? This was from a It's from a compilation. A compilation. Called, yeah, called Music and Rhythm. Yeah. Very obscure one. It's pretty interesting. I gave it three. I don't. I didn't like it as much as you did, yeah. but um, it's Stuart Copeland plays on this. You know oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. It does not sound like Stuart Copeland. You know what Stuart Copeland eventually did play on? Uh, this may have been an audition for that. <laughs> what was it? So, oh, yeah, we're getting to it. Yeah, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. you know, right? Yes, I do. I know that. I, yes, I, <laughs> it's in my notes, too. I okay, then we'll get to it when we get to it, then. Um, All right, in 1983, Plays Live comes out. We do not cover live albums unless they really take, uh, unless they're really a part of the narrative. Um, Kevin, if you have anything specific to say about it. No, I'm kind of with you. I would, I would, yeah, I would skip it, too. I was like, yeah. 
Yeah, it's whatever. It's a live record. He also, yeah. uh, Peter Gabriel, uh, admitted to going back and tinkering with it after it was recorded. So no kidding, that's <laughs> what a fucking so, piece of shit. <laughs> so there, there it even it says it in the liner notes. Therapy. Let's change all the ratings. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, we, he, admi- he admits it in the liner notes, which is uh, kind of. Uh, upstanding. Kevin, I apologize. This is live. We're going to have to go back to the beginning and start all over again. (laughs) Sorry, bro. All right. So then 1984, uh, he's tinkering in the workshop in the laboratory, as it were. So only lets uh, three things come out. One is uh, walk through the fire on the against all odds soundtrack again with his boy, Phil Collins. Um, That one's kind of one of the better um, soundtracky things I thought. I give it, I like I give it three right. stars. I give I, that I gave, song yeah. the same. You got a you got a, right. you got a rating for that? I would give it three. I agree. Okay. I I find it still weird to rate individual songs. But, I know, but I do. But you'll anyway. get over that with that feeling of weirdness. <laughs> so far, no, we've in done a kind few, of a lot in of a few things. years. <laughs> um, okay, then out out from Gremlins. Great movie. Great movie. Do we like the song? I got my, not very much to say about this track. I give it two and a half stars. Uh, I gave this one one. I, didn't, I wasn't feeling this one. This sounds like they just kind of threw it together in a few hours. Don't know it. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's in a weird scene in Gremlins where it's like uh, the, the, like some be- like crazy mayhem is happening. Like, Did like you go the- back and rewatch the movie? <laughs> no, I, I read about it. <laughs> I love having that much commitment. Yeah. Peter I feel like the only way I could really rate this song was if I watched the entirety of, of every Gremlins. movie he ever worked on. What do you give it? I gave it one. I, don't, one? I, I okay. didn't like it. Kevin, did you like give it. it something poorly? I listen. I have to give it a listen. I don't know it. Yeah. Okay. That's something. That's I'm a pretty go out, out on that's, this one. That's as deep cut as you can get. I think. The, yeah. The, yeah. The Gremlins jam. Is it's true. <laughs> but uh, however, that being said, the missive that Peter Gabriel uh, whipped up to alert the media that he was leaving uh, Genesis is called Out Angels Out. Mm. So maybe it's from that. Mm. Moving right along, 1984, the last thing he did was on Laurie Anderson's album, Mr. Heartbreak, he appeared on three tracks, uh, Gravity's Angel, uh, Language d'Amour, and Excellent Birds. I give that two and a half. Mm. N.A. for me, non-canon. I give it stars just because I feel like compulsively I have to. <laughs> or else I'd wake up in the middle of the night. I already wake up in the middle of the night. Do you give it anything or no? <laughs> <laughs> All right, never mind. 1985, moving right along here. We have a couple appearances on some random records and uh, a soundtrack. Um, so he's still tinkering in the laboratory. Uh, from the song Take Me Home... Uh, from No Jacket Required by Phil Collins. The song Take Me Home, huge hit. I love that song. You can't really hear Peter Gabriel. I give that one five stars. Love that song. Unironically. I don't know how to rate that. Right, you don't have to I don't know it. how to rate that in terms of Peter. I didn't know. Of, that's, it was a huge song. That's a, star that's a huge okay. song, yeah. In, in terms of like how to rate Peter, how to rate it as a Peter Gabriel song when you can't really you hear don't him have on to. it. Yeah, you can't hear him. At my, Just as a song. <laughs> As all a right. song, it's, it's all right. three. As know. a song, it's fuck you. All right, 1985 also brings No More Apartheid from the Sun City LP. 
Gross. Well, that one, the uh, that record was hastily thrown together. Um, they had the one kind of, they had the kind of "We Are the Worldish" kind of song, um, the "I Ain't Gonna Play Sun City" song, and right. then they needed to, they needed a whole record, so it, it was. Um, this is filler. It, it's it feel, feels this, like this filler. feels like filler. It's seven minutes or something long. Yeah, it's I get just one and a half. No thanks. Um, no. Next, okay, Birdie. Right. Okay. So yeah. So this is a whole t- other topic. So he did a lot of these scores. Which seem like kind of not as much scores. He did more soundtrack 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 contributions. Right. This is a real score. Right. Birdie is Birdie is one of the ones I've seen the the film, and the film is a great film. That's in my notes. I was going to ask if anybody, if either of you guys had seen the film. Have you seen it, Kevin? I have and love it. I I think it's a a magical movie. It's as gentle as the soundtrack. I read the description of it and seemed like I would like it, which is Alan Parker in the eighties was pretty much infallible. Yeah, I'd probably like it. I'm gonna have to check it out. Oh, you oh you haven't seen it? You I have not. I have not seen it. Oh, it's, in, it's really enjoyable, and you, that will make you like the soundtrack more. Yeah, or, and the song "Under Lock and Key," which is uh, derived from "Wildflower," is even better than "Wildflower." I think this I give three stars. I I actually have had this for quite some time. Agreed. Yeah, I, I also gave it three. These are kind of uh, um, it, it's hard to make apples and apples comparisons with the uh, soundtrack yeah. albums. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the same players, um, you know, Larry Fast and uh, Tony Levin and his guitarist, David Rhodes. Uh, John Hassel plays on it a little bit. Um, who's another amazing musician. Uh, there were a couple of things on this that I think I probably would put on like our playlist for, for this show. Yeah. Yep. Um, <clears throat> There's literally two things. Quiet and Alone. That seemed like at, very aptly titled. Uh, I, love, I love when that happens. Um, and so, yeah, this one was I, one of the more enjoyable ones for me out of his, uh, out of his soundtrack stuff. The um, most enjoyable, I think. Yeah, I would say the same. Yeah, this one, this one's probably the most listenable, like as a record. It's a, it's of a piece. Yeah, you know, when you're scoring a movie, it's like you have a job to do, and you gotta, you know, it's not like when you're making a record where you can, there's no limits on what you can do. You know, yeah. it's kind of you're by nature, you have to kind of, you know, match picture and stuff. So, a um, little hard to compare apples to apples, but um, this yeah. one, this one, I found pretty listenable. Do you have uh, extensive experience with this record, Kevin, or is this kind of a, a you know, here and there you listen to it? Here and there, right, yeah, yeah. but liked it, yep. All right, so in 86, <clears throat> at first he kicks off the year by doing background vocals on the call song Everywhere I Go, but come on, we don't go to 1986 to talk about him pl- doing va- background vocals. <laughs> Phase two, music for people who love compact discs. That's, that's from 1986 to the present. We kick off the compact disc phase with So, Kevin... Take it away, boy, my friend. Boy, away. Uh, how, how do you kind of, you know, I think this is, again, where he, and in a career that moved the world many times, he sort of just did it again. It was one of those things that was so unique and so out there and so oddly, like, in sync with what the market wanted, right? Which is weird because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of big songs again in that and sort of heartfelt and weird, but he had, the movies kind of came in with him. It's sort of like his entire career built up to 1986. It it made sense at the time, but honestly, looking back at it, I have to say, looking back at all those people, Sting, Springsteen, Prince, you know, the big stars of that time, what the fuck was Peter Gabriel doing there? It was a a strange one. I didn't think twice about it at the time, but in retrospect, it was. 
Yeah, and this is sort of like a kind of style of songwriting that he that was seems sort seems sort of new, you know, like he it, like this sort of sophisticated pop song thing, but very much pop song. Even the you know kind of like half of this record was like smash hit level of oh yeah you know, like at least five or five of these songs are like very famous yeah massive um, and he you, you wouldn't have really gotten the inkling that he was you know look, I mean look at what the last record was before this the the, the record the record with Shock the Monkey which one was that security yeah security yeah. in eighty two um, I mean you didn't uh, it no, wasn't really nobody it really wasn't really a hint coming. that this was gonna um, no but um, what wound up happening was after Birdie uh, Lanois who had produced that was invited back to Gabriel's home uh, to work on the next solo project. Uh, so it was the two of them and David Rhodes on guitar. Um, it eventually grew to include all these percussionists, but that was the main unit. He had Stuart Copeland, as it sounds like everybody here knows, just to kick the record off with some some cymbal work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's like collecting people and like little sound moments i know in the later records he had fucking peter green in there i mean that guy's a legend wow. you would never yeah. know it yeah unless you were told it you would never know it well the 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 it kicks off like really the red rain such red a, rain is such excellent a, it's a great opener yeah um, it's, it's it's a great hook it, I, I love a song that can get away with like starting with a hook like that um you know like it just it just crashes in with that chorus. you know what another cool so- cool thing about that song is too is that it's just like moribund the Mer- the burgermeister it appeals to the prog people because right. of the dystopian that's stuff that's so funny i was and just gonna the big ask crowd. yeah yeah <clears throat> I, I, I would because you said that it was sophisticated right but when you look at it it kind of is like that first album all over again yeah but in a much more look i can I do this know. i can do this i can do this <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, kind of. I mean, yeah. but, and how we got to writing those kind of songs, and for, especially because we've always been touring around with like pop, rock, folky songs, but this doesn't have that, right? So the Red Rain and all of them, right? So how does, or in your eye, like, how do you write that song? <laughs> you know, yeah, I think yeah, that's where yeah. it's not the unique, you know, chorus verse, I mean, it is, but in that unique way that's so big and, and rambling in a way. Yeah, succinct. Sometimes yeah. you just, you know, this is, seems like the kind of record where you just he went in with with this with with this strong, such a strong core of material that yeah. um, it's it, it's and it's it's not overstuffed. It's got nine songs. It doesn't really feel the need to overstay. It it it, it makes its point and it's and it's pretty concise and like very user friendly. Yeah, which which wow is that not the case in the Yeah, future? he sort of started to get away from that. Um, totally got it. Like not only got away from it but went all in the opposite direction. This record's pretty tight. I mean, there's, yeah. there's a couple yeah. things on it that are the I mean there's there's maybe one or two things that are a little bit like I'm not, uh, I'm not in into filler. Mercy Street. Uh, and don't give up. I could do without. Oh, I love don't give up. You do. I mean, when her when Kate, the Kate Bush voice comes in, it's like you know who was supposed to be in that. I read it. Her. Who was it again? It was Dolly Parton. Oh, right. Dolly Parton. That would have yeah. been really weird. That would have was been it weird. really? Yeah, wow. yeah. It's yeah. it's impossible to imagine anybody but Kate Bush singing it. it seems like yeah, it was just yeah. meant for her. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on the, on the don't give up. At first, I was like, oh, I kind of hate it because I was always fifty fifty on Kate Bush. I know they. It was like one of those things like you had to lower. I never, I still, I, you know, I'm still trying, but I, I don't. I think we'll yet. probably eventually do her for this show, and um, we'll 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 give it the full. Yeah, I don't immersion. understand yet. I don't really. I, haven't. I don't. Unfortunately, I try, and I'm told that I should. There's a couple artists like her, Joni Mitchell. Like I'm told I have to. I'm like, oh, I just can't. I can't really it's do. Like, I can't do uh, Tom Waits. 
Yeah. I can't get with yeah. <laughs> so many times. Where did you try with Joni though? Where'd you dive in? I've just went back actually, because you guys have, I'm sorry, but this has been the most enjoyable thing I've done. Like <laughs> I actually went and studied it. Now I was like, well, I want to do this for a couple other artists. Awesome. I just recently gone back with her and I was like, Oh shoot. Some of it's really not bad, but I'm like, <laughs> you, know, you know, I was like, Oh shit. I can't like, you know, now change my mind. Yeah. Uh, but you know, uh, sure, so, sure you can. You know, uh, but yeah, I well, do that's, think that's I think one of the one of the great things about doing this show is um, I've it, it, that's it's like that constantly for me, like yeah. going through this stuff. There's always stuff I'm discovering that's kind of way better than I thought or that I would have missed because the way we do this, we're we're kind of like uh, we make a pledge to listen to every single everything, thing, everything. So there's a lot of records. Even I if we know like, well, we you know, yeah, got to right, get context. Right. There's a lot of records where I wouldn't have really given a chance where I've discovered stuff that I liked. Um, you know, just in the however many it's amazing. Before. Yeah, it's. Uh, you guys are you're, you're retraining me right but i think it, yeah. you, you, you i think you we can't also forget what that video did at the right. time I mean, yeah the videos stopped the world yeah the know? videos were really a major component of his success um cool. you know i personally feel like uh sledgehammer was the good hit big time was the bad hit yeah uh, amen. I, I like big time too though you did i mean the i the big time, the actual like melody and um and and like the it's, it's like the like the post chorus melody, the way the song kind of ends, the way it kind of like uh, wraps up at the end, it kind of does a little kind of little C section at the end. Um, I I really like it melodically. The production I don't really like as much on that. That the production's kind of like a little bit like. It, I don't know, it reminds me of like all she wants to do is dance or something. You know, it, it, just has, feels, it has this sort of like clanging sort of. It just direction. feels so crass and eighties like. But me. I do like. I know the, it makes fun of that kind yeah. of thing, but but in the end, it's doing what it purports to hate in more you know in more massive volume than yeah. anyone else. Was I, doing. I I I have a soft spot for it. I kind of like it, yeah. but um, I I I could see why. Uh, I could, I see. I do. I do see your point. It's still going on the playlist, but I don't like that one. Yeah, Sledgehammer went to number one. It was number one yeah, single yeah. for four weeks. It was, was a smash. Was it really? Yeah, it was a number wow. one single. Look, I I remember at the time. Uh, you know, it's actually better than I remembered it because after a while, after I initially played it to death and then condemned it in my mind, for, yeah, I, for a long time as kind of a cloying attempt to be successful. Um, so, uh, but looking, listening to it now, it's the first time in a long time I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I always like this record. I mean, I might be kind of a basic bitch for having this be one of my favorites, but um, it, Here's, it, the songs are very, very good. This, he had he had really strong material, but probably the, the the best like core group of songs, just as like a songwriter that he ever had. Yeah, it's this, this is you know, I explained to Joe the other day what my theory about this kind of thing is. I think he realized something along the lines of, okay, I'm kind of weird. I'm kind of not rich yet. And I kind of have to figure out what I'm going to do if I want to make a windfall. So like almost like, okay, how do I like took a class on how to make a, a rock record that'll pay in perpetuity or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, although I guess Sledgehammer though, um, was kind of an afterthought on the record. You know yeah. That? Yeah. It was added at the they last were, minute. They were packing up to go home. Yeah. It was, it was not going to be on the record. It was the last thing they did. So, oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But this one, I give three and a half stars. I give it four, and I, I I could go higher than that probably, but I, it's it's an easy. Four. I, I, I it's either going to be four or four and a half. What about uh, you, Kevin? You know, I unfortunately will have to go five. I think it's 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 hard not to have it's hard not to have what you said. We're just oh, I'm so tired of it. But I think it's Joe's point where, you know, when you come off of security, when the songs were just sort of you know 
And now look at this this group of songs, right? Red Rain, Don't yeah, Give yeah. Up, In Your Eyes, Big Time, Sledgehammer. I mean, they're just they're all so strong to have that many strong songs. Absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, it's Absolutely. And this is really the only time where that kind of crazy balls to the wall production matches the song quality. Yes, yeah. agreed. Yeah. Um, so and it is, you know, there are some 80s kind of sounding things on it, but Lamois is pretty tasteful and it it, yeah. it, it doesn't veer into like, you know, uh, overdone. You know. What, what did you give it? I give it four. Four. OK. Yeah. OK. 1989 Passion. Last Temptation okay. soundtrack. All right. So this was originally composed as the soundtrack to Last Temptation of Christ. But um, after the movie uh, came out, uh, he kept developing the music, developing the music, and um, finally released it as a as like a standalone project uh, called Passion. And uh, this was a landmark for world music, quote, unquote. They call this wor- world ambient. Right. And this won a a Grammy for Best New Age Album. So I feel like a New Age influence starts to creep into his work that really basically means that he lost the ability to to edit things. Well, this one, I don't think, not yet on this, really. Right. This one, I think, kind of succeeds for what it is. Right. And it's um, it's sort of, this is, I... I have a this one I did not enjoy as much as Birdie, um, and it's kind of wow. weird. It's kind of weird to think about people listening to soundtrack stuff in general, but people do like for entertainment. You know, like I never really quite got that. But this was a big record. This was a big deal. Yeah, yeah and it yeah. was. I think it was pretty. Influ- yeah. It was influential yeah. too. Um, yeah. In in in, a, in like film score world, um, yeah. a lot of cool sounds on it. You if know, you like, like dusty uh, flutes. A lot of dusty flutes. A lot of like. Yeah. You know, uh, That's my porn name, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> lots of guys, you know, lots of cool um, sounds on this. And, you know, um, what about the movies? The movie any good? I never saw it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. yeah, I would have to say, you know, I went to Catholic school in Ocean City, New Jersey, St. Augustine's. And <clears throat> I remember the controversy uh, where my parents were appalled and how dare we watch anything like this and how could we do something so bad and of course then peter gabriel made the music and i was like oh boy i gotta watch it mm-hmm. and uh <clears throat> i watched it i thought the movie was incredible uh and i thought the music kind of complimented it so well and i am one of those nerds that listen to this ad nauseum and i don't know if it's because it was by late 80s like i was so brainwashed by the late 80s mm-hmm. just on late 80s music you know because i was such an 80s kid i was like oh this is good and but the new agey stuff even got to me. I was like, oh, I, I really not. I don't want to go to an ashram kind of thing. But it yeah, had that, yeah. you know. But anyway, yeah, I thought it was, uh, it, it was again, the cool sounds. and. What do you what do you give it? I'm going to give it four stars. Yeah, I give it three and a half. I rather like it. I give um, it three, which is the same I give Birdie. But it's, yeah, it's yeah. hard to, like I said, it's kind of hard to see it as an apples and apples thing with the actual yeah, it's true. records. Yeah, it's it's true. It seems hard to rate. Kind it's of much more of a mood than it is a piece of music. Yeah. But, yes. um, in, but I, I respect it. It's well done. In sure. a, in 89. Oh, wait. Did, what do you rate it, Kevin? He said uh, four. Oh, you did I say four. four. Okay, sorry. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> I refuse to accept that. I'm going to keep a- asking until I get the right number. <laughs> All right, so, like a cop. Yeah, I have. <laughs> Uh, 1989, Shaken the Tree with Yusuf Nador on The Lion, uh, a different version with um, with Peter's lead vocals, appears on Gabriel's 1990 compilation, Shaking the Tree, um, along with a 1990 re-recording of Here Comes the Flood. So we're retooling things. 
whoever's yeah. interested in that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that I give that three and a half stars, Shaking the Tree. Um, yeah, I give that three. All right, 1980, 1992, Us. Okay, so Us w- focused on more personal themes um, than so. Again, a, <clears throat> a long gap, six years between six kind years. of proper albums. I am just going to tell you that the only song I really care about is the first one, Come Talk to Me, the one with Sinead O'Connor. Uh, given its bloated length of seven minutes, it's surprisingly good. Um, otherwise... Uh, you know, these are very long songs that drone on and on with no dynamics at all whatsoever. He sounds like Sting half the time. And that mid-tempo, mid-range thing, um, it just is like a digitized float. That's what it sounds like. Well, this is another one I think I liked more than you did. Um, I give it one star. Oh, that's better than that. It's not a one star record. No, you're Come right. On. It's a half star record. I'm being gener- <laughs> well, generous. Well, the, the singles, the singles are good. I like, I like digging in the dirt a lot. Um, I like the B side of that. Yeah, I like digging in there. And Steam is pretty cool. Steam um, is very obviously some A and R guy said we need another sledgehammer. Need another sledgehammer. <laughs> yeah, it's sledgehammer light. It's just not as good as sledgehammer. But I, it's, it's I, I, I kind of found it to be kind of. Uh, I'm like, oh, I remember this jam. This thing ain't bad. Um, I, I like that song. All right. Kevin has already decided to never be friends with me. <laughs> the video for Steam. I will, I will tell you, not, not to cause controversy, but I think Steam, along with the video, and sort of like the the attempt to do the, the sexual references like Sledgehammer, was like, oh, no, no, don't do it again. The video is pretty, right, right. pretty cringy. It's, uh, he pretty, com- he it comes is out really like a, massive because now he's looking like someone's like grandfather cringy. It's like, oh no, right, these right. girls don't like you in the video. Yeah, right. the video is not great. Um, the song is I I don't I don't mind. It's okay. Look, it's he's very obviously doing a pot boiler remake of Sledgehammer. Um, totally. You, you got to kind of you got to kind of accept that. <laughs> that is you know, but digging in the dirt's a cool song. You don't like digging in the dirt? Not really. I no, dig- I don't. That's another one. I like it as just as a composition. It has like, you know, the, the chorus kind of pops and like the, the the groove is kind of satisfying. And then there's kind of like a B section, like a post-chorus section that's kind of moody. And like that, that song I always did like. That was that was another kind of big hit for him. Kind of his last real like You know hit. what the hallmark to this album is? It's compulsively meandering. Yeah. I mean, well, every song is like six, seven minutes. Um, yeah. I, I, I liked kind of like a third of it, I would say. I also like the song Blood of Eden pretty good. That's another like. Yeah. Uh, See, I think I would, I would, I, again, I think I was still kind of in that Peter Gabriel haze of love where you kind of yeah. can't go. And I do agree with the whole Sting influence where it was really kind of like that late 80s, early 90s kind of, you know, drive sobs. It was right. very, yeah. you know, very Connecticut. You know, everyone loves that kind of, you know, you, it was at the time where everyone put it in, it sounded good. But that Come Talk to Me is a great song. The Washing of the Water, you know, to this day, I, I sing that like, when the river carry me home, na, na, na. I'm always trying to rip that off because it's like yeah. a gospel thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Kiss the Frog, uh, Kiss That Frog, that I think he should almost, you should take all of the stars away for that song. But yeah, but I think it's really mixed. It's a mixed record. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you give it? I'm going to give it a two. Oh, really? I figured from what you're describing that you had a more of a I liked it the it. best of everyone. I gave it two yeah. and a half. Wow, wow. Yeah. Huh. There you go. All right. So yeah. everyone agrees, though. It's it's you a know. step down. Yeah, yeah. And then, okay. okay. Are we, are we All right. Gonna... I'm going to listen. I'm going to just touch on this super quick and almost use an auctioneer's type of quick voice. Yeah. Well, let's let's we'll explain what's about to happen. Yeah. So from 94 to 2008, 
he was, I think, able to sustain this one, this sort of uh, Charles Bissell level of creativity um, with uh, just, and by the way, when he would release an album, it being so, you know, uh, uncommercial, he had to get by doing soundtrack work. So from 1994 well, to- I don't two, think he probably had to get by. He probably had way more than enough money he would ever need. Probably. <laughs> But this is his way to, I guess, keep his toe in the in the pool water. Point of, is, there's a lot of these where he there's did, a lot like, of he these. did a, like one offs for. Uh, I, I spent an entire yeah. afternoon um, going through these. This is Peter Gabriel's Bill Peng soundtrack work from 1994 to 2008, uh, so he could release records that uh, almost nobody but him could possibly. Why don't care we about. instead of going through every single one? Why don't you pick cherry pick some of the gems, or unless you want to just kind of rapid fire or go through the whole list? Oh, I know, I'll you're, just I know you're a completist. You're a completist. Yeah. All right. 1994, Love Town from Philadelphia. 1994, Taboo from Natural Born Killers. Both kind of okay. 1994, Summertime from Gershwin. Now that one, let's stop on that one. That one is good. It's Uh, better than it seems like it should be. Do you know about that? Do you know about that album much? So it's from a Gershwin compilation album. That's kind of an interest. First of all, this is the first song and the best song on the album. Um, there's a bunch of other artists on it. Um, kind of big, like Suzanne Vega, I think, is on it. Other kind of artists of that kind of caliber at the time. So you wanted but, me to just dart through these? Well, this one's the interesting one. That's why I wanted to cherry pick the interesting ones. So the guy that played, there's this harmonica player. It's like a virtuoso harmonica guy named Larry Adler. Who was friends with the Gershwin brothers and like played huh. played on like the with on like like American in Paris or Rhapsody in Blue, whatever had harmonica on it. He was like their guy. So he's in his eighties when they made this album. So when you hear the guy playing harmonica on his version of Summertime, it's that guy, Larry Adler. Huh. It's kind of like really his record. And he kind of plays harmonica throughout. He's and he's actually pretty amazing. He's he's actually like oh, that's cool. Yeah. So and this Summertime is the first song on the record, and it's really good. I liked mm-hmm. it a lot. Yeah, it's so, <clears throat> definitely that's my take on that. Yeah, that'll definitely be on the uh, on the playlist. Um, <clears throat> 1995, Party Man from Virtuosity. 1995, While the Earth Sleeps from Strange Days. Uh, 1995, from the Leonard Cohen compilation Tower of Song, Suzanne. Okay, that's the one Man, we should talk about shitty. for a second. Ooh, it's bad. Do you know that one, Kevin? I haven't heard it. I mean, it's, like, it's kind of like the Buddha Bar Volume 12, Chill Out. Mix of Suzanne. And then, okay, In the Sun is next, right? In the Sun from Diana. Do you know what that song is? Wales. No. All right, so the original of In the Sun is a really beautiful song. It's a song by Joseph Arthur. Are you familiar with his records at all? No. Joseph Arthur is like a songwriter he, who made one record that I really love, which I forget what it's called, but that is the kind of lead single off it. Um, the Joseph Arthur's really version is really beautiful. Um, and the Peter Gabriel version is kind of a stripped down take on that. It's kind of not really as good. You kind of miss out on a lot of the uh, harmony of the song um, in Peter Gabriel's version. It's it's you know it's uh, Joseph Arthur turned out to be kind of a kook. He's like a big anti-vax guy. He writes mm-hmm. like he's like a Van Morrison. He writes like anti-vax songs. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I would re- I recommend following finding the original uh, Joseph Arthur version. It's a really good song. Um, 1998, <clears throat> I grieve from City of Angels. Uh, which he would later re-record even shittier for Up. Mm-hmm. Um, I that, wanted to ask, did he know that? Did oh wow, okay, thank you. That is the same song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it was originally in this in this movie. So that'll do from Babe Pig in the City. So that's a, there's a whole category of these kind of like Oscar bait kind of songs. Yeah, this was written by Randy Newman. Yeah. So and there's a few of these where he got nominated for Oscars, <clears> and this was one. Um, so, but even even more importantly, 1999, he does Carpet Crawlers 99, and here's why this is cool. So, are you Kevin? Are you retrospectively a, a Peter Gabriel Genesis fan? 
Um, no. Okay, so you don't like them. I uh, never got uh, into like Lamb Lies Down or any of that. You know, that song was just blows your mind. But if you if you are a Genesis fan, this is the very last thing uh, that they'll all probably ever do together. This is the oh, fi- wow. the five man lineup of. Uh, a very underrated song from uh, Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Yeah. It's a great song. Um, it's also the last studio recording uh, by any configuration of Genesis. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Gabriel and Colin share lead vocals, and um, uh, they were actually going to get Ray Wilson, who was the final singer. After he's like Co- the, he's like the post left. Phil Collins singer. He's the Gary Sharon of of Genesis. Um, I mean that from a Van Halen three perspective. Um, but the plan was dropped um, when it turned out that they sucked, uh, and the final verse was left out. Anyway, I give that five stars. I love that version. Yeah, it's good. Oh, wow. I, 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 I gave it four. It. I, I will have cool. to go listen. It's awesome. Like I, like I was saying, I'm a I am a total Genesis fan. Maybe a little bit more of a Collins Genesis fan, just because of my yeah work. yeah. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to doing Genesis on the show. Can't wait. Because, I'm a huge uh, fan. Dave's a huge fan, and I'm kind of like uh, huge. I'm, I'm a little bit of a novice. And I Genesis. like both. And I, look, I'm you. We're around the same age. I'm 49. I no longer have guilty pleasures. They're simply pleasures. <laughs> and <laughs> even though we talk right. about I'm music, they're still all pleasure. Right. Yeah. Are you 50 on the nose or? I'm actually I'm 52 on the 52. nose. Almost okay. just turned. Just turned. Yeah. Right. Good for you, brother. You still in Jersey or what? I listen, you know, you never leave. Never leave. Won't let me. I know, I get it. My parents are trying to drag me back. Um, all right, so in the year two thousand There's more lightning round still. Yeah, no. OVO, music from the oh, Millennium no, no. Okay, that's Dome a, that's show. an actual thing. It's a still a lightning dome thing, I think. All Unless, right. Well, do you know what that is? The uh, I give it one star, so I'd like to consider it lightning round material. Well, it's kinda of, well, we should talk about it a little bit because it's it was kind of a major project for him, you know, about that project? What the either of you guys know about the uh, Millennium no. Dome? I'm just so, going to stay quiet in hopes that you'll pass on to the next topic. <laughs> well, what this was for was there was like a Cirque du Soleil style show at a building that is now known as the O2 Arena, but it was called the Millennium Dome when they opened it. Oh, at, wow. At, um, at the Millennium. And the building itself was kind of this weird, like, white elephant. Like, it was built for this big Millennium celebration, and it cost, like, the taxpayers all sorts of money. And it was, like, it's, it's, a, it's a heinously ugly, awful-looking building. And there was this, like, <laughs> World's Fair kind of expo thing at it. And the centerpiece of this of this World's Fair type thing was was OVO, which is this album, basically, that Peter Gabriel wrote for this. Um, it's not very good. Um, there, there's kind of like the 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 main song. It's the theme of it. It's like a rap kind of thing. Wait, do you like it, Kevin? Have you it. have you heard it? No, I don't it's know. pretty okay. obscure. It's, it's very. It, obscure, I, I had yeah. no idea it existed until we did this. I, I I had never heard of it. But um, he's even even Liz Fraser is on it for God's sake. From the Cocteau Twins. Yeah, there's a bunch of guests on it. Richie oh. Havens is on it, and um, Nina Cherry. It's it's it, it's he spent a lot of time on. It. He did it for like a couple of years or something. Yeah. And the thing was kind of a dud. The the whole expo, like the way fewer people showed up, for the thing ended up being like. Now it's the O2 Arena. Um, right. And um, but anyway, I I, I what gave, do you give? I it? gave it two stars as a thing. Yeah, it sucks as a thing. It's a piece of <laughs> shit. I listened to all of it. Though. Flies it's long. All around it's it. long. It's, it's, a, it's, it's like it's very much like a, it's it's a concept so, thing. It's a yeah. concept thing where there's like Earth people and space people, 
and it's like a Romeo and Juliet thing where like they're like at war, but at the at, at the end they like the space people conquer the Earth people. <laughs> like I that. was just so bitter um, that. I, you know, I, my finger from streaming it was very tired. Just from clicking from on clicking the song. <laughs> and I feel very embittered to him toward that. Anyway, that's what Ovo is, in case you're interested. Yeah. So 2002, Long Walk Home, music from the Rapper Proof Fence. Uh, I, a more diffuse, ambient twist on what he had done with Passion over a decade earlier. Uh, but this time without all the overt world music stuff. You familiar with this one, Kevin? No. Yeah, this is another score he did. Or it's a soundtrack album, right? So yeah. this is from from the movie The Rabbit Proof Fence. Anybody know that movie? I don't. No. I'm, I, no. Okay. Based um, on the music, I'm going to remain unfamiliar with. It. <laughs> yeah, this is the the to me the least uh, successful of the, <clears throat> of the three major soundtrack things. Um, it it sounds like kind of like Passion with a lot of the more interesting stuff kind of stripped out. Um, <laughs> so um, I gave this one one and a half. Don't have to spend a whole lot of time on this one. I give, this one to, I give it two and a half, but I'm being generous. It's not super listenable, I don't think, as an album. Okay, so 2002, Animal Nation from the Wild Thornberries. Uh, 2003, Burn You Up, Burn You Down from Hit. Uh, 2004, The Book of Love from Shall We Dance. Which he redid again uh, later. It's actually a really good song. Uh, 2007, I beg to differ, but I just think it's okay. You know who it is, right? No. It's uh, Magnetic Fields. It's oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, 2007 Angelique Kidjo's Salala from Jin Jin uh, written by Peter Gabriel Um, 2008 Down to Earth from Wally that actually is a very good song that's another Oscar bait song and I think it was yeah that one should go on our playlist yeah that is a good song you know that one Kevin I do and did he win the Oscar for that he didn't I remember he was nominated I don't think he did he did not win he he was nominated and I, I, I think that was the year Slumdog Millionaire won everything I think a song oh, from right. that one, um, but um, it was nominated. It's a good song. Um, so that one we'll put on our playlist. We recommend that one. But now we're out of the phase of just trying to get through all that stuff. Now we're at 2002's Up. Kevin, you want to just uh, take our hand and explain to us how we should feel about this? Wow, that's uh, <clears throat> well, that's an honor. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Dave. Um, the honor is all yours, my friend. <laughs> I would say you've just walked us down a long, amazing road. And then I would just say from a a Peter Gabriel's fan, it was a really dark moment. Why is this? Because you've loved, you've at least liked everything he's put out. Why was it dark for you? It was, I I think he was just a guy that after all of that incredible art, I don't know, sort of forgot that he made great records. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it really was, he should have just kind of shelved it and you can't, Boy, you can't live off of these years of saying I'm a perfectionist and this is what I do and it takes this long. Sometimes you've just sort of missed the boat, right? And um, that I think is an unfortunate moment. Of course, are there aspects that you like about it or no? Yeah, I think you know, uh, like I said, I'm always trying to copy and and still of him. You know, I grieve is a great song, right? It's oh, it's a good song. That was my favorite Um, on the record, yeah. Yeah, it's that that's just, you know, it's got something magical to it. So, right. Um, but I think that whatever the, the, the Andy Griffith show, whatever that thing is. The I mean, Barry, yeah, so, the Barry Williams show. That's really weird. The Oof, fuck? What right. the, what's you ever the, seen the video for that? 
No, that's I'm weird. Scared. I'm scared. It's really weird. It's like a Jerry Springer show. Like, uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, I did yeah, see yeah, it, yeah. which makes it even worse. Yeah, it's it's yes. pretty weird. This one, um, it takes the thing of like you know we're just making tracks in the studio, building a thing one at a time to a pretty far extreme. Um, it's kind of I don't really detect any like human being playing music. It sounds like kind of all kind of midied. Um, there's kind of some like Reznor kind of stuff. He's kind of seems like that's maybe stuff that he's into when he's making this. Um, he just doesn't really have the songs for this, so it's more of a sound design kind of experience. And um, everything's kind of really long. I, this, this one was a rough one for me. I didn't really enjoy This was not an enjoyable listen for me, I have to say. What, what did you give it? I gave it one and a half. One and a half. This was the weakest one to me. Okay. Um, so, by the way, this is his last full-length studio album of new original material to date. Right. So right. next next year will be twenty years since he's written an album of of songs. Wow, um, Dave, where where do you go on this? One star. I give it one star. Uh, one star. One star. He's lucky he gets that. He's so lucky he gets that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I get. Uh, in fact, no, I'm sorry. I give it a half star. Not one star. This is a pretty common uh, way that these this show ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I, say, I didn't know you could ch- sort of change the ranking in midstream, right? You got, no, it turns it. out I had not read correctly because of the tears that are welling up in my eyes. Um, and by the way, <laughs> the hatred, the yeah, blood that, in your ears is making a, it's you. A, it's a hate. It's a hate sadness. Um, so around this time, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame <clears throat> as a member of Genesis in 2010 and a 2014 induction as a solo artist. In 2010, he released uh, Scratch My Back. So, so these next couple of things kind of all blend in together for me. Yeah. Because he did Scratch My Back, which is an album of covers um, that is uh, with an orchestra. And then he did another one called New Blood, which is all his own songs with kind of the same approach. But then came, and, and I'll scratch yours. Well, that there's that too. Which, yeah, I know. I'm aware of that. <laughs> Um, so Kevin, you want to lead the charge on this? Talk, talk to us about this, uh, this particular sound. We can kind of lump these two together, I think. Yeah, I think it's pretty okay for me to miss it. (laughs) The thing thing that stood out to me is that the one he does where it's covers, he kind of like radically reimagines every song. He changes like the chord structures, changes the melodies, but then on his own shit, it's all very faithful to the original it's structures so of the songs. It's the same bloated drift. I, on Scratch My Back, the only song that I would even nominate to be on our sacred playlist is I Think It's Going to Rain Today. And the only reason is because it's faithful. Yeah, well, the same. I would say the same about The Book of Love, that, uh, which is an excellent uh-huh. magnetic field song. He stays pretty true to that. His voice kind of suits it. That one was okay to me. I liked the one of his own tunes better, the New Blood Um record better and some of the ones that on that record that were kind of more interesting were kind of the darker ones like he does uh he he does some of the tunes like from um the rhythm of the early records yeah he does he does that's the best song yeah he does some stuff from the early records and kind of interpreted with the orchestra some of those are kind of cool i mean it's you know you know what it's like it's kind of like going and seeing him like sing with the la phil or something you know it's like it's some it's you know I give it's one, somewhat entertaining. I give one and a half uh, for uh, whatever the fuck it's called. The scratch first my, one, scratch my back. Yeah, and then uh, for 2011's new blood, I'll give it two stars. I gave it exactly the same. Nice. Same. How about you, Kev? Uh, almost NA. I just kind of yeah, 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 yeah. Those okay. are kind of NA. Perfectly acceptable-ish. <laughs> um, okay, so 2012, we have a song called "Speak Boy" 
from the Reluctant Fundamentalist OST. Uh, I'll give that two and a half stars. No one, uh, no one here knows what the fuck yeah. I'm talking about. Okay, 2016. I think I stroked out during this part. <laughs> 2016. He has a single called "I'm Amazing." Uh, if that's true, uh, you would never know it from the single. Have either of you guys heard this? I have not. I know I'm supposed to too. Na from you, Mr. Whelan. All right, you can remain silent on this. All right, two and a half stars from me on, on I'm Amazing. Uh, also in 2016, he had a single call. No, no, I'm good, N.A. Okay, called The Veil. Um, even more eh. And that's the last one, right? Uh, no. Oh, man. 2017. Oh, that's uh, the last one. Keep paying those bills, Pete. Every bird from Birds Like Us soundtrack. I'll give it two stars. That's an Oscar bait one because that is from a. Uh, okay. It's from an animated uh, movie that was made. I think it, it was made. Oh, that's before. right. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I recall. Okay, it's, it's very Oscar baity. It's okay. Now, let's, as far as the shape of their arc, of his arc, it's really not. Um, it's you don't have to be a rocket scientist on this one. There's basically two stages. You have his experimental beginnings. Uh, and much more interesting. And then his trapped in amber sound world, world music, uh, where uh, he's this monk-like figure. There's no shape to speak of here. It's just two levels. Um, so my top three albums would be So is number three, Car is number two, Melt is number one, and the worst album is Up. Should I do my next? We always oh, can have- you do that again? I'm yeah, sorry. Sure. So number three. Number have- three is So. Mm-hmm. Number two is Car. Number one is Melt. And the worst Ooh. album is Up. And by the way, if you don't catch these, don't worry, because I'm selling it in pamphlet form. <laughs> I think you distributing should. it. Make yeah, a yeah. tablet. Totally. Yeah, tablet. Stone. <laughs> Chisel. Chisel. Chisel the shit down. Um, we, we very often end up with very similar lists. And, and we have yet again, I think, because I also have So at number three. But I have Melt at number two and mm-hmm. Car at number one. So we had the same top three. I also thought uh, like that uh, scratch is pretty close to like there that that one to me is uh, not that far behind. And what's your worst? Um, up be my worst. Up okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I consider up to be worse than the kind of like than the last couple of ones, the the orchestra ones, because really who cares about those? But up yeah. is kind of more like kind of more of a it hurts that it's not good. Yeah. You know. Wow. How about this you, Kevin? Good. I'm gonna have to say. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Okay, so. I would put car as number three. Mm-hmm. I would put so as number two. I would put melt as number one. And the worst is for sure up. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, based on all the criteria that I think we we've have. we've got a consensus. Yeah, there is a consensus. We have a consensus. A consensus. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, it's definitely, there's a lot of riches to be had from his discography. But there's Ooh. also, if you're a fan uh, it feels like there is, uh, there's got to be nothing but disappointment. As it's, I mean, some fans were probably disappointed with "So" when it came out. You know, some yeah. of the fans that were more oh, yeah. into, into the more art, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the more artsy side of his stuff, were probably disappointed with "So." Um, I think this the, this is going to be a really strong playlist because uh, it, you know, if you, if you really kind of distill it to the best stuff, it's like there's still a lot. You know, there's definitely a lot on, on there. Yeah, Kevin, we we want to thank you profusely from the bottom of our hearts for stuffing your ear holes with these fine, fine sounds. <laughs> oh Sounds like they were already I, pretty I, familiar. I have to thank you guys. Um, uh, you know, 
this is uh, mentioned to me weeks ago, and I'm sorry I wasn't as prepared as I hoped. Oh, you were very uh, prepared. You were very prepared. <laughs> were plenty but prepared. I got to tell you, this has just been one of the most enjoyable things uh, that I've ever done uh, in, in kind of an interview, and I love your podcast. I've listened to it uh, with others, so thank you so much for having me and, and attempting to do this massive thank piece you. of work. Thank you so thank much. You yes, uh, thanks please, for the kind words. by all means, um, you know, hook us up with your social media. We'll certainly I most expand. certainly well we'll expound like crazy uh you know definitely follow us on uh instagram twitter and facebook and and subscribe like crazy yeah this is uh, to all the fans out there who might be listening We're, uh, yeah. you can find us on social media that's we're, great we're out there like like regular normal normal ass people we are and we've got some crazy ass motherfucking episodes coming up yeah too, lots so. of more good guests coming up lots more uh, great artists um you know there's uh, this is the great thing about this show is that you'll never run out but if you uh, just more if all you did was tune into this boy are you happy because now you get to flop over to his long form interview with us uh, where he bears it all and winds up actually um, uh, in our arms in tears you can find that on his interview on Kevin Whelan's interview on Discography. we'll see you then see you next time